You know, when there are sheep in the barn, there's other stuff in the barn too. If you know what I mean. The kind of stuff that you often have to shovel out every now and then. So things do get messy. Things get messy around here. It's the kind of church we are. When you deal with broken and hurting people, sometimes they bring their mess with them. And this is not uh, a referral station. This is a place of healing. And if you're sick and then you're broken and you're hurt and you're messed up, this is the church you need to be in. Because the healing hand, the mercy of God, and the compassion of God Almighty is in this place. Come on and give the Lord some praise with me. Have you ever had your life interrupted? I mean, not only... <laughs> she's getting married. She's saying, yeah. She's saying yes to anything right now. She's getting ready for... She's getting ready for the wedding. Yes, I do. Yes, I will. Yes, I may. Okay, I'll do it. I mean, you're just living life and you're, everything that you expected was going to happen and everything you felt like you prepared yourself to, to take care of, it comes your way and you handle it. And then there's something that happens out of the usual. Something that you never talked about. Something that you never prepared yourself to deal with it. It just interrupts your life. Your business, your plans, your job, your relationships. People have said, you know, one day, hey, I love you. I got you back. And then something happens and they're nowhere to be found. Somebody that you were counting on. Some gentleman who came to you, ladies, and said, I love you. I'll love you forever. And then two weeks later, he won't even call you back. I don't know about you, but I've had many questions with God. It's like, hey, what's going on here? Where are you? What's happening? Man, my business is messed up. My finances are messed up. I don't feel well. There's something going on in my body. My relationships are broken. And not only does it happen in our, in our normal, everyday life, somehow, sometimes it happens in our journey of faith. Look, look, God, I thought you were with me. I thought I was your son. I thought I was your daughter. I thought you, I was your child. What, what's going on? How could this be happening to me? And there have been some things that have happened where I'm saying, you know, I don't know where we stand my faith has been shook. Sometimes I think God just changes his mind every now and then to drive me crazy. You know, I like everything planned out. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fixer and, uh, and I'm uh, uh, a control freak. I want to be in control of tomorrow and, and, and next week. And, and I want everything to run exactly how I planned it. And I stay up at night thinking about it and planning it. And then I'm talking about it. And I'm talking to my wife about it. And this is the way it has to go and so forth and so on. And then think, you get this curve. It's like, what's going on? 
important to tell me, tell me, tell them not all interventions or interruptions. Tell them all, not all interruptions are bad. Not all interruptions are bad. I'm going to give you a word of advice of what happens when that thing comes out of absolutely nowhere and turns your life upside down. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. This is what you need to do when something is happening in your life that's been an interruption. I call it a divine delay. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. See, here's the problem. We're trying to figure out the end. You don't know the end. You're not meant to know the end. If you knew what was going to happen in the end, you'd probably mess it up along the way. You only see the beginning. You're short-sighted. You don't see the beginning and the end, but I know one that does. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is also the beginning and the end. He does all things well. Turn to somebody and tell me he does all things well. Even though you don't understand it, you're not supposed to understand it. Just take the ride. Turn to somebody and tell take the ride. Oh, come on and give God some praise with me. Will you do that? First Corinthians chapter 13 says, but we see in a mirror dimly. We don't see it all. We don't see the beginning of the end. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 25, it says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You don't see it. You don't know what's going to happen. And the truth of the matter is you probably can't do anything about it anyway. Isaiah chapter 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You don't think like God. You can't see it like God sees it. He sees both the beginning and the end. Will somebody say amen with me? And the truth of the matter is all things do work together for good. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, say all things. Say, I ain't kidding all things. That cranky wife, no, that cranky husband. That boss that doesn't like you anymore. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Trust him. Trust him. He is our heavenly father and our father knows best. And in the end, he's going to get the glory and the miracle that you've been waiting on is going to come your way. Come on and give God some praise with me. In Mark chapter 4, we have a story of Jesus saying to his disciples, Let's get in that boat. Let's go to the other side. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if I was going for a boat ride with Jesus, I think that I would probably be like, you know, this is going to be fun. You know, the master's in the boat. You know, he knows what's happening. Uh, several of the brothers here are fishermen, and he's got his disciples, and they've got fishermen in the boat, and Jesus is in the boat. And, and this is going to be fun. We're gonna have, this is going to be a great, a great ride. This is going to be a nice trip. And he says, let's go to the other side. And so, so in the middle of this trip to the other side, in this boat, there is a storm that begins to blow that even frightens some of the most seasoned fishermen. They're afraid. Some of these disciples that were in the boat, they were seasoned fishermen. And they were afraid of this storm. I'm sure they saw many storms, but they didn't see a storm like this storm. And so they're upset and they're afraid. You know what Jesus is doing? He's in the back of the boat snoozing. He's taking a nap. And they get upset and they say, look, don't you care? We're about to perish. And, you know, he gets up and he says to the storm, peace be still. The storm calms down. And then he rebukes them for not having faith. Trust in the Lord and don't lean to your own understanding. Let me tell you, if they hadn't have got in that boat or if they would not have continued their journey in that boat, if they would have turned around when the storm came their way, guess what? They never would have experienced the Christ that was in the back of the boat with them and seen the authority and the power that God Almighty invested in him. They would have missed out on the miracle. Turn to somebody and tell them they would have missed out on the miracle. Tell somebody, don't turn around because uh, don't turn around because there's an interruption in your life. Hey, hang on, stay in the boat with Jesus, and the miracle is gonna take place. Amen. Now, when I was in the first service, they said, you know, just get, just get down and preach it. You know, just get down and preach it. And I did my best. I don't know if I can do it in the second service. Oh, thank you, Chuck. But just hang on. Just because your life has been a little interrupted and, and you've tripled, tripped a little bit and, and maybe you stumbled on a few things on this faith journey, don't just hang on. Don't get out of the boat. Don't turn the boat around. Trust that Jesus is in the boat with you and he's, the storm is going to come to an end and you're going to be able to witness a miracle. When they saw that miracle, they were finally convinced that he truly was the Messiah, that he truly was the Son of God, that he truly had all power and all knowledge and all wisdom. And even they said, we, we can't believe that even the storms obey him. And not only did that happen, when they got to the other side, there was a demon-possessed man that they saw the devils cast out. They saw two miracles after the interruption. Don't give up. Don't throw up your hands. Don't cast away your confidence. Your miracle is on its way. Amen. Give somebody a high five and tell them your miracle. Amen. Tell me your miracle. Amen. 
is on its way. Tell them storms don't last always. Hallelujah. I said storms don't last always. All storms come to an end. And when that storm is over, your miracle is going to be looking you in the face. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and praise him. Trouble don't last always. Trouble don't last always. It may be midnight. It may be dark. And it may be stormy. But the sun is going to shine in the morning. You, you got me preaching. I'm going to have to take up another offering. Wearing me out. I've seen so many interruptions in church. So many. People. Tucker. Equipment doesn't work. Tucker. AC blows up. Tucker. Tucker. to say this to you. This is not a very orthodox church. You never know what's going to happen here. Years ago, Brother David Wine was preaching for us. Some of you think you may know him and maybe you remember Brother Wine. He's preaching for us. And he's preaching to us, oh, I think it's just about the devil or something of that nature and so forth and so on. And a young lady who had just met the Lord, she stands up. And uh, she, she was through a, had been through a difficult time. 
but she had just come to Christ, and he's preaching something about the devil. And she said, I want to say something about the devil. I told the devil, he can go straight to hell. And then she said, I told him he can go straight to hell and kiss my. All the sanctified folks were like. And they all looked at me like I was supposed to do something about it. And Brother Wine got up and said, you know what? Sometimes you just need to tell the devil to kiss your. And to go back to hell where he belongs. Just don't tell him in church, okay? And the old sanctuary that we had over on Lime Avenue, the, not the bigger building but the small building we uh we didn't have any money we're trying to buy that building a man that owned it his name was ray Dieters. talking about interruptions and um there was a hallway and you came down the hallway there were two bathrooms a men and ladies room and then you came down the hallway it was the hallway that everybody came in and when you stepped in the bigger room it you were right in front of the pulpit and so I'm, 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 you know, we're just trying to struggle and we're trying to make it and we're trying to buy that building and didn't have any money and the man that owed it, his name was Ray Dieters. And Ray was very wealthy, he owned 16 different um, uh, mini malls. He owned like 20 um, travel agencies all over the country. He made a lot of money, had houses everywhere and he had bought that for, for an investment and, and so... Uh, his, we had helped his son some. So he shows up for church on Sunday morning. He's from a Catholic background. And, back, background and you know, we, we're not quite like the Catholic church, but we do believe in the same Jesus they believe in. Amen. And so uh, he comes to church, and I look back there, and there's Ray Dieters, and I'm thinking, oh, boy. I hope he's got his checkbook with him. And I thought, you know, we've got to tame things down. We can't be, you know, we've got to get in somewhere between uh, Methodist and Baptist, like right in that comfortable zone. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm hoping, I mean, I am just hoping that the song service is just kind of quiet and there's not too much ruckus. And I want to tell you something. It was the wildest song service we ever had in the history of church. They were shouting, they were running, they were dancing, they were falling on the floor, they were doing the, they were doing the chicken, they were doing everything. You know, some of them sisters could do the chicken, you know. They, they were twirling, they were doing everything. I think, oh my God, I'll never see Mr. Dieters again. Never. This is it. I'll never see him again. He'll never come back to this church. And we're trying to get him to sell us this building and we don't have any money. And so, about, oh, I'm preaching. Have you ever been mad at God? Have you ever been mad at God? Have you been angry with God? Anybody here ever been mad with God? You know, and all of a sudden, somebody starts pulling on that door, the door that lets you into the sanctuary. 
And they're pulling it and they're hitting it and they're pulling it and they're twisting it and like this. And finally, the door opens and this guy that I had ministered to over and over again, he was a street person. I don't know if he was drunk from that morning or still drunk from the night before, but he was loaded. And so he comes in, you know, interrupts the service, and he doesn't go and sit in the back. He sits in the front row. And he's sitting there, and I'm looking at him, and he's turning around, and he's doing this to everybody. <laughs> you know, this has always been a friendly church, and so they're going, they're waving back at him. I'm like, what's going on here? So I'm, pre- I'm back to preaching. Everything made it with God. Everything angry with God. Everything mad at God. God ever interrupt your life? He, said, he stands up and he said, Brother Jam? I said, yeah. He said, Brother Jam, I've been angry with God. Then he said, well, more than angry. I'm like, he said, I'm pissed off. I'm like, oh, Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah. Glory to God. We'd had crazy things. I went over to him. I, I really went over to him to grab him and throw him out that door. That's the truth of the matter. And I went over to him, and when I got to him, the compassion of Christ fell on me. I couldn't, get, I couldn't mishandle him, you know? I just couldn't do it. So I spoke to him kindly and warmly, and I just loved on him and prayed for him because he was homeless for years and years and years. When the service was all over, Mr. Dieters came up to me, and I thought, oh, boy, here we go. He's going to, you know, I don't know what he's going to say. He's his businessman, a lot of money. That I, don't, I don't know what he's going to say. You know, church was wild. And I said, well, how did you enjoy service? He said, well, I'm not quite used to it. He said, but I do want to tell you something. He said, what's that? He said, how much can you afford to pay me every month for this building? I'm like, I don't know. He said, I tell you what. I own this building, and I'm going to make sure that you're going to buy this building. And he said, I'm going to restructure the deal so that you can afford to buy this building. He said, do you want to know why? I said, why? He said, because you didn't throw that man out. You loved him instead. I don't know about you, but the highlight of my life is when Mr. Tucker gets stirred up and starts running around this church. I love it. I know that, Mr. Tucker. Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4. And again, uh, and again, he entered into Capernaum after several days. And it was that, that heard he was in, there were many that heard that he was in the house. And immediately many, many gathered so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even at the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a man who was paralyzed, who was carried by four men. 
And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed which the man was lying upon. And then it goes on to say, they let him down right in front of Jesus. And that day, guess what happened? That man left with a miracle. Certainly somebody tell me, that man left with a miracle. Now you talk about an interruption. Can you imagine if we're here, you know, and, and, and you know, we're so sanctimonious. We don't even know what that means or neither can we spell it. But anyway, we'll say it. You know, we have our sanctified. Yes, I am Pastor Jim. I'm God's man, chosen of the Lord. Now, please turn with me to the book of John, chapter 3, and verse 14. And we're all here. Things are nice. They're, you know, quiet. They're nothing unordinary. And all of a sudden, someone starts tearing a hole in the roof. And they start making noise. And... Someone says, I'm not used to having church this way. I'm not sticking around here. I, I want to tell you something. I have seen some uh, moves in this church, especially recently, especially on Wednesday nights. There is some jumping, spinning, jumping up and down, hooting, hollering, that I've never seen in my entire life. I want to tell you there are things that go on here. You need, we, you, we, you need to get in life insurance before you come here on a Wednesday night. <laughs> or medical or something. It's buck wild. But you know, when a calf has been let out of the stall... Sometimes you just don't act normal. He's wild and he runs everywhere he can. And I want to tell you something. There are people that are being, let, being set free from the powers of darkness and the powers of addiction. Come on, someone say amen. They finally feel accepted. They finally feel love. And they just have to express that freedom and that liberty that the Almighty has given to them. And if you want me to keep it down, I'm not doing it. Maybe Sister Peggy can try, but I ain't, I'm out of it. And here they're breaking through this roof. But there were some people. And then you find out that there were some that get upset because Jesus healed him. I wonder if there were people there that would say, you know, I was here first. I've been waiting a long time. You know, there are some folks that sit in the same seat every church service. <laughs> Listen to me. I dare you to try to sit in that seat. Her husband might be a little, but he'll take you around back and whoop you for that. Can you 
imagine that kind of disturbance? Oh, this is not, this doesn't seem to be um, sanctified. You know, nothing seems to be sanctified here. We had a young lady who comes to our church. She's had a tremendous, God's redeemed her. She went through our women's program. I think she has her family back, her children back. She came here. And if you're here and you are the person that did that, I'm not going to point you out because I don't even know who you are. But I just ask you to search your heart over it. Here she came. She was dressed appropriately. Her hair was beautiful. But you know how these people are, these young people nowadays. They pay more money for less. You can have a pair of jeans and half of it's missing because there's holes all over the place. And they may be able to buy regular jeans for 65 bucks, but they'll buy those for $125 because they have holes in it. I'm like, give me a regular pair of jeans for 25 bucks and I'll cut the holes in it myself. So she comes to church, this young lady who's a beautiful girl, loves the Lord. She's been so redeemed. Her life is transformed. And, and she's such a witness. Somebody who happened to be in church last Sunday, if you're here this morning, we love you, uh, but please never do this again. They said, what are you doing here dressed like that? You shouldn't be dressed like that in church. I'm glad she didn't tell that lady what the lady told the devil to do, and that was go to hell and kiss my... You don't know the hell that that girl's been through. You don't know the torment that she's been through. And if you want to kick her out because she has holes in her jeans, I think you need to find yourself another church because this is not your church. Come on and put your hands together and give God some praise. You think God cares about holes and jeans? He cares about that life and he cares about that soul. And that's who we are as a church. That is the heart of this congregation. We don't care where you've been, what you've done, how many times you've done it. We know the love of God is able to take care of every issue in your life. Not only did this interrupt the church service, but it interrupted Peter's life. They think it was Peter's home. There were many things that took place upon the roof. Do you know that they oftentimes would run to the roof as a place of escape? They had a plan that they would make it to the roof. Oftentimes it was either with a ladder or they had stairs on the outside of the house. And they would run to the roof. Did, I, did we show the pictures? Oh, that's the roof. That's a roof during the time of Christ. It was, show them the next picture. There was those beams that went across and then they put these thin sticks upon it. Go back to the first picture. And then they took clay and they would take clay and they would put the clay on the, on the roof and it would harden. Then every year, every single year after the rainy season, they would have to go back and, and do the same thing and they would smooth it out with that. See that rolly thing? They would roll that out. And then it would dry. But the, many things took place on the roof. You know, the roof was a place of worship. 
They worshiped on the roof. Do you know it was a place of fellowship? Do you know it was a place of provision? That's where they would dry different fruits. They would dry flax. Flax was used uh, to weave, like our cotton. They would use it to weave and to weave clothes and to weave rugs and to weave those kind of things. They, there was a place of escape. They used it as a place of escape. They use it as a place of solitude, a place of prayer, a place of worship. As a matter of fact, they use it as a place of rest. Because at night when it got so hot, they go out and sleep on the roof. So not only was the meeting that was going on in Peter's house, but the place where they worshipped, the place their provision came from, the place of escape was interrupted because they were built, digging a hole in that very roof. Peter doesn't say anything. I wonder what, I would have been like, yo, wait a minute here, hey, who's on that roof? Who's up there? What are you doing up there? Hey, 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 tell those guys to get off that roof. Every year I got to go out there and fix that thing. That's where we get our food from. That's where we get our protection from. That's our way of escape. That's our place of worship. They're tearing it up. He didn't say anything. You know why? I, I was wondering, I wonder who fixed the roof. This is a little bit of a stretch. But you know what? They weren't concerned because they had someone who was the guest preacher that day who knew everything about fixing roofs. The second or third thing that most carpenters in that day were called to do was to fix those roofs. I don't know if Jesus got up there. I don't know if he supervised the crew like I do. I supervise. I don't do the work. But Peter wasn't concerned because that interruption was fixed by the Lord, I believe. And you have an interruption in your life. It's not going to last always. He's going to fix it. Come on, someone say amen. And in the end, you're going to see a miracle. I want you to stand to your feet with me. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. I just wonder how many are here right now and say, Pastor Jim, man, I'm really going through something. I'm really facing something. I never prepared my life to, to deal with this. Hi, honey. It's okay. You hear me? You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay because he loves you. He hasn't left you. And I think there's been some storms in your life. I, I can feel you. I can feel you're from the inside saying, my God, that preacher's talking to me. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to lay my hands on you. But not like we normally do in church. Okay? 
From, from this moment on, look, look at me. From this moment on, there's a miracle that's going to happen in your life. And you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's with you. Now, I know this sounds strange. It sounds strange. But I, I just want you to turn around. Just, just turn around. Yeah. Loosen up a little bit. You look like you're frozen. All right. Yeah, yeah. There's a few lefts, a few rights. Okay. I'm, I'm going to place my simply place my hand on you. And from this day forward, you're going to know. You're going to feel literally. Can you feel my hand there? You're going to literally feel the hand of God on your life. Father, give her that miracle. Something that just says to her, keep on going, I'm with you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't run away. Don't cast your confidence away. Simply trust in the God that loves you and cares for you. That will never leave you and never forsake you. Father, from this moment on, may she sense a hand on her back. And may, her, may she know it's the hand of Almighty God. Pressing her forward. Give her a miracle. May she tell others about it. In Jesus' precious name, come on and give God some praise with me. Do you really think you're junk? Do you really think that God wants to throw you away or has thrown you away? Not anymore. Not anymore. You're his creation, made in his image and his likeness. You hear me? I expect that such great joy is going to fill your heart. That you're going to start being one of them crazy ones that jump around the front of the church. You're going to be so happy. And Father, give her miracles of provision. And surround her with good people that will love her. It'll truly be a friend. Hallelujah. After every interruption, we saw the miracle. How many of you have been facing an interruption in your life? Just lift your hand up. Yeah. You're getting married. Now just put your hands down. You don't have an interruption. You no, know, put it up, really. I don't care what it is. Father, we trust you. We don't lean to our own understanding. We're not going to try to figure this thing out. But we have to say you do all things well. You know the beginning and the end. And in the end, our miracle is going to take place. And we will give you the glory. Encourage your people. Strengthen them in their walk of faith. Let them know that you haven't left them. That you're right there with them. And Father, just encourage them to keep going on. Pressing on. And we thank you for the miracle is truly on its way. Bless them as they go. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen and amen. Hug about three folks. <laughs>